the way in which God is moving in this place is, is awesome. Uh, to the fact where I, I felt led to uh, put more chairs up because we need to prepare for rain, um, just like uh, you know we're, we're told to do. So uh, we're preparing for God to open the floodgates for us. And um, hey, if we have to take uh, you know a collection up to buy more, even more chairs, that's awesome. Um, we'll, we'll do that. I'll finance my kids or something. Um, <laughs> I don't think it'll go very far either. Well, because what will happen is everybody will want them, and then they'll want a refund after they get them. Um, no refunds, no returns. No, I love my, my children. Um, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be continuing our, our series in, in Luke. And um, as, we, as we're doing this, I, I know that by now you, you all get it, why we are in the book of Luke. But... Um, I think it's something that we need to continually remind ourselves that the things that we're learning, we're learning for a purpose. Um, the, why, why did Theophilus uh, have this book written to him? Why did Dr. Luke write uh, the book um, to Theophilus? Certainty. All right. He says back in chapter 1, he says, So you may be certain about the things in which you've been taught. Um, I, I love some of the interactions in which I've been getting um, here recently, now that you guys kind of uh, broke through your, your shy barrier and started asking some questions. Um, it, it's awesome to see how um, minds are working and how uh, lifestyles or, or um, how uh, pasts of, of maybe religious activity or maybe non-religious activity, just questions, are, are really starting to bubble up to, to the surface. And you're, you're starting to, um, to ask questions that are, are, are very profitable, uh, not, not questions um, along the lines of, um, what am I going to have for dinner, but uh, you know, important questions. Um, what am I going to have for dessert? Um, just, just, just joke. Um, important questions like, is Clemson going to win tomorrow night? Yes. Am I? I'm the only one, yeah. <laughs> Do not call me tomorrow, unless it's a dire emergency. Bruce, Christine, you guys can call me if the baby's born, but anybody else? No, I mean, after 8.30 tomorrow night, the game's on, so. <laughs> Who's playing, huh? From the man who still has my gloves. That was a theme this morning. I guess I'm still going to continue on in that. Two or three. Two or three. Did I say Luke 2? See, y'all are on board. Where are we at? We're in Luke 3. He was giving me sign language back here, and I don't know if it was gang signs or what. Like We do live in Atwater and everything, but um, yeah, Luke 3. We just finished up 2 last week. Now we're going to be in Luke 3. We're going to look at... Um, I guess I should turn there. Uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 1 through, we're going to go through 20. Um, I, I know for you, for you type A's, you're out there, wait a second, that doesn't finish out that whole section there, but we're going to use that for, for next week. Um, because next week we're going to uh, talk about, well this week's going to be John the Baptist, next week we're going to talk about Jesus starting his uh, ministry, how that looks, what took place for Jesus to start his ministry. So um, my Pentecostal friends, you know, you're going to love next week. Um, and, and hey, how about this? Uh, I, I know Jake said a little bit about it, but Wednesday nights, um, I, I, can't, I can't tell you anything other than if you haven't been there, you, just, you need to be there because uh, God's moving in some awesome, awesome ways. Um, 
and, and there was rumor that we actually had like an altar call or something. So, whoo, heaven forbid. Um, it was, but it was awesome. So, Luke chapter 3. Like I said, we're, we're here, we're, we're listening, we're, we're diving in, because uh, we want to be certain about what it is we've been taught, just like uh, Theophilus is here. So, chapter 3, verse 1, with no further ado, let's do this. Let's roll through this. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iteria, and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Albaline, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Okay, here. So this is, out of all of this, this, what we can see is, yes, there are a lot of names here that are hard to pronounce. There are um, these dudes that are um, in charge of different areas, of different regions, different governments, whatever. But here's the beautiful part that I like to pull out of this. Um, Being that it gives us a definite point in time, you can go back outside of the Bible, and you can go back and you can look up in um, what they call it, secular history, which, you know, I hate that word because it's all God's history, but you can look outside of the Bible and look this up, and you can know for certain that this took place right around 29 A.D., Okay, so this was like a historical marker in the history books. It's not just the Bible writing some some you know obscure things. We can look and see that this this time period actually took place. Don't raise your hands, but um, how many of you were like me when when I was growing up? Thought that um, that, that during the time of the Bible, like there was no world outside of the Bible. That that, that was that was where I was at for a long period of time. I never, and it wasn't because I was told that there wasn't. My mind never just kind of went outside of that. But there was. There was, there was real people outside of the Bible that um, are not in the Bible that were alive during that time. And I, I love how uh, Luke here, he, he gives this um, clear, this defining moment that says, okay, this is when this took place. And we know this is about 29 AD. So with that, it says at that time... The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Um, let's just make sure that we understand who John is, because it, it, we, if you were, uh, we'll turn to the right, you don't, you don't need to, but if you would, you would find a, the gospel of John. And, and, and sometimes what we have a tendency of doing, and please, I'm not insulting anybody's intellect here, I'm just, this is me trying to refresh my own memory. So what, sometimes what we have a tendency of doing is we see words like, or names like John, and John, what well, must be the same guy. Well, it's not the same guy. John that, that, was ta- that is being talked about here is John the baptizer, or um, it's actually, it's, if you... Uh, um, translate the, 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 the word baptismo correctly from the Greek. It's uh, John the Immerser. I, I think that sounds a little bit more uh, uh, vicious, right? The Immerser. John the Immerser. Do you know Jesus? All right. So, um, but, so different John than um, John the Apostle that wrote the Gospel of John. And on a secondary note as well, his dad's name is Zechariah, and if you just do like a study of the Old Testament, there's like over 30 dudes in the Old Testament named Zechariah, 
Okay, so yes, it can be confusing sometimes, but I I like this. This is one of those nuggets of information when you get to heaven. If you see a bearded man, looks like he's from the Old Testament, and you don't know his name. If you say, Zechariah, hey, how you doing? Chances are you have a pretty good chance of saying that's who it is, Um, unless it's Marlon. So, um, is it? (laughs) That would be awesome. I thought it was Jedediah. But... um, but so we understand that this is important that we, we see that there are intricacies of the Bible, that, that we, there are reasons why names are put forth. And, and really, um, next week we're going to see this, the, the importance of this even more because we're going to go through uh, some genealogy with a lot of names. But here we're talking about John, the son of Zechariah. Um, we, we were talking about how the word of God came to him in the wilderness. Uh, if we remember back a few weeks, we remember when Zechariah um, uh, held uh, John for the first time, or when John the Baptist was born, Zechariah prophesied about uh, John what he would do. He would be the forerunner of Christ, and we're going to see that come to fruition right, right here in a, in a minute. So, with that, verse 3, and he went into all the regions around the Jordan. Who's he? John, there we go. I was trying to get you, but you were the only one that answered. But it's like, that's a trick question. Penguin. Um, so, and John, so he, he went into all the regions around the Jordan. Okay, this, this is interesting, too, because we, we need to kind of, in our mind, understand where, where all this has taken place. You have, uh, if, if you, everybody close your eyes for a second. You already gave the offering, so we're not going to steal your money. Um, that was funny. So if you, have, if you have the Sea of Galilee up in the north, okay, and you have the Dead Sea down in the south, there's a river that kind of runs in between, all right? That's Jordan River. All right, open your eyes. Everybody have that mental picture? Yes. No? Okay, good. Um, so he went into all the regions around the Jordan. Jordan River is very important when it comes to Scripture. So um, it says that... He, as he's going around all these regions, he was proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So as he was going out, he was proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, I think it's important that we, we stop for a second and look, because um, this can confuse some, kind of, some, some people. Well, there are two different baptisms. Well, there's one for, is there one for repentance? Is there one for you know, being baptized in, in, in Jesus or, or in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? What we have to understand and what, what is being taught here is that um, repentance was taking place, and we're going to talk about that in a little more in a minute, but repentance was taking place and the uh, visible sign of repenting was baptism. So that's what it means for a baptism of repentance. And notice that it does say the reason that they were repenting. Why? Forgiveness of sins. Understand that. If you hear nothing else that I say, and I may say that a couple more times, but if you hear nothing else that I say, understand that repentance is for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance is not so you can feel good about yourself. I know that there are TV preachers that do that. Oh, just, you know, you can feel all warm and fuzzy about yourself. You can get that warm feeling, like the guy said in, in Sunday school this morning, it's probably because you peed yourself, but um, that warm feeling. No, it's we understand that repentance is for the forgiveness of sins. So this was what John was proclaiming. Uh, it's also interesting to know that the other Gospels descri- or describe John just a little bit more. 
Does anybody know what John wore? Camel hair, camel skin, absolutely. Does anybody know what John ate? Locusts. So he, locusts and honey. Okay, so he, he, he wore animal skins and he ate bugs. Okay? So maybe we can, and he was out in the wilderness. His hair was probably a mess. Beard going everywhere. Man, that would be an awesome picture. Can we, hey, Marlon, can we put you in camel skin and feed you bugs? That would be awesome. Um, but, but just imagine this picture of, of this guy. He, he's probably not the, the, the most uh, pleasant to the eye to, to, to see. Probably stinks. He's living out in, 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 the, in the desert, in the wilderness, just kind of all by himself, eating bugs, probably has nasty breath, no toothbrush. Um, just saying. And then he's saying, he's going around and he's proclaiming a very bold message. The repent, he's saying repent. And what we know from the other, the other Gospels, he says repent for the kingdom of God is near. So, but look what else, what else is going on here. Because I want to go into that a little bit deeper in a second. It says in verse 4, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make His path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways. All In all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So, it says here that he's going out, he's preaching this, um, this, proclaiming this baptism of repentance, and then it goes into saying why he's doing this, because it was prophesied about him not only by his father, but by Isaiah, who was about 700, 600, 700 years before um, John the Baptist came on scene, and that's another little nice tidbit of information, is we know that it's not only Jesus that was prophesied about, it was his forerunner, the guy that came before him as well. And it says that he's going to make the, the, the path straight. He's going to fill the valley. He's going to make every uh, mountain and every hill low. He's going to make the, the crooked path straight. So if, if you don't understand this imagery, what, what basically is going on is when, when a, 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 a royalty would come into a, a region, they would make sure that this chariot could just kind of roll through smoothly. This is kind of the, this is the mindset in which is taking place for um, the Messiah to come, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords to come, and, and, and uh, John the Baptist is he's paving the way. He's paving the way. Seven. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him. I, this is where I love it. Remember, let, let's everybody get that, that mental image of John the Baptist, nasty hair all over, probably has dreads, you know, all that kind of stuff, beard, camel hair, probably has critters living in his camel hair still, eating bugs, popping them like Tic Tacs. Um, it says, they came to him, though. I don't know if I've seen that guy, I don't know if I would come to him. Maybe to take a picture and put it on Facebook or something, right? Like they do with Walmart people. People of Walmart. It says that the, 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 the crowds that came out to be baptized, and he, so he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Stop there for a second. You basket of snakes. I don't know about you, if I was greeted that way, it would be kind of odd. 
These people are coming out to him, and he's saying, you brood of vipers. Um, do you think, uh, by a show of hands, that this was a good first impression? No, probably not. What are you doing? Who warned you about to flee the wrath to come? It goes on to say, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves that we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able to, or able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So I'm reading this, and um, my mind is, okay, why is Luke explaining all this to, to, to Theophilus? And I can't help but to think, though, about how, um, how important it is to just to tell the truth. When, when people were coming out to see John the Baptist, he didn't sugarcoat anything, Right? He was pretty cut and dry about, okay, um, this is what's going on, and, and, and okay, why are you guys here? What's up? Are you a little bit uncomfortable in the way in which you're living? He says, don't keep fooling yourselves to think that you got all your stuff together. Obviously, that's my paraphrase there. He says that. Look at that. Right there in um, verse 8, and do not begin to say to yourselves... We have Abraham as our father. So these Jews were coming out and they were saying, well, wait a second, wait. You're, you're telling me that I need to be baptized for the repentance uh, uh, of my sins, to repent and be baptized of my sins. Um, I, 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 I'm a Jew. I don't need to be baptized. Well, when we don't understand the, con the, 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 the magnitude of this, well, we, it doesn't make as much sense. Um, during this time when a Gentile uh, was proselytized, was um, reached, we would say, and wanted to become a Jew, they had to go through the rites of purification, and the Gentiles alone had to be um, washed clean of their gentileness. I know it's not a word, but of their, their uncleanness to become a, um, a, a, a Jewish person, uh, you know, to be able to observe Jewish the laws. So essentially what is being said is John is saying everyone now has to be baptized. So he's saying to the Jews, man, you're just as nasty and dirty as those unclean Gentiles that you are ridiculing all the time. Quit trying to fool yourself that you're better than you are. I know this is really uplifting, isn't it? Yeah. Quit trying to fool yourself. I, I think that that's where we're at a lot of times. We paint this picture in our mind that we're fooling ourselves that, you know, I'm not that bad of a person. <laughs> Compared to what, okay? Jeffrey Dahmer? Okay, yeah, probably not that bad of a person. Ooh, yeah. It, but understanding that, that when we do that, what we're doing is we're, we're comparing ourselves to a standard that is not ours to compare ourselves to. The only standard in which we're to compare ourselves to is Jesus. So I love how when John's talking about repentance, when we understand what repentance is, repentance is the changing the way in which you think towards something. So he's not only saying repent and be baptized, 
He's given a, a visible uh, illustration, a visible representation. The reason you've got to be baptized is that you've got to change the way in which you think. Now, now it's not only the Gentiles who need to be baptized. It's the ones that you're repenting of your sins. All people. It says that. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. So he's changing the way in which they think. Why is this so important? This is how he's preparing the way for the coming Messiah. Too many times, too many people, they get, we, we get this kind of mindset that this is the way in which it should be, and God's going to work this way, and that's it. But what happens is God doesn't work the way in which you think He should work, and then your, your, your whole world just goes up in smoke. Well, I thought God was going to do that. Well, why would you think that God was going to do something that is contrary to His will? Because your mindset was different. When we talk about the Red Hill Project and everything, and you know that is going to permeate everything, we're talking about changing the way, it's a movement that changes the way in which people think about Christ and His church. We don't want to change the way in which people think just to align with what we think. We want to change the way in which people think to align with what the Bible says. And here, that's what, what John is doing. He, he's getting them to, to think about this. And he does it in a very, um, uh, 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 not grotesque, but very um, uh, uh, detailed, uh, uh, you know, imagine, getting the imagination, or not even the imagination, but the, the, the visual representations um, apparent in, in, in the minds of these people. Because he uses things like, even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, he, he says, you know, bear fruits with, it, in, with repentance. But then he says, if you don't bear good fruit, you're going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. Understand that he's talking about judgment. Remember, these people came out to hear him. It's going to come in, in, into uh, play here even more in a second. But notice where he's talking about his fruit. I, I love this. We talked about this in Sunday school just a little bit. But what is fruit to a plant? It's a, it's a natural product of, right? That's what comes forth from a healthy plant. It's not anything that is foreign, and we, and we know that, that, that pears don't grow on apple trees, and apples don't, apples don't grow on pine trees. The tree in which it is is the fruit in which it produces. Here he's saying produce good fruit. He's, say, he's not saying do anything extravagant outside of who you are. He's saying produce good fruit. I love how he goes on to explain this because the people are kind of dumbfounded at this point. They don't fully get it. He says, and the crowds asked him, well, what then shall we do? I love it. Questions are good. What then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors or the tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you're authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations, and be content with your wages. I, I, I love this. 
I, I, I truly, truly, truly love this. Because he's saying, okay, here, here's the deal. What happens is we get into this mindset of, all right, we've got to change the way in which we think. We need to think properly about um, Christ and his church. We need to think properly about the, the Messiah who is to come. And they're thinking they've got to do all this extravagant stuff. Like, I've, my life's going to be totally flipped upside down because I'm going to repent. Well, I, I think this is where one of the first, the first certainty in this, this text comes in, and if you're taking notes, here it is. Um, repentance itself is not radical. Repentance itself is not radical. Look, he, he's, he's proclaiming. He's saying, okay, you need to repent and be baptized. You need to repent for the forgiveness of your sins. And then they say, okay, then what should we do? He doesn't tell, he doesn't tell the, the, um, the tax collectors, which are not the very nice people, nor the soldiers, nor um, or any of them to do anything other than they're already doing, but that what he's telling them to do is do it right. Hear that. Repentance itself is not something, is not radical. It's doing the right thing. Well, what is the right thing? Well, the Bible tells us what the right thing is. Flip with me back to um, Proverbs chapter 3 real quick. Because some will say, well, I don't know what the right thing is. And uh, every time, I, I mean, I'm kind of, do I do this? Do I do this? I mean, how's this going to go? Well, here, here's a little um, a piece of information for you to, to help you to, to navigate through your, your daily life knowing that you're doing the right thing. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones." So if we're looking at this and we say, okay, repentance itself is not radical. I need to just do what's right. What is right? Um, not every situation you encounter in your life is detailed in Scripture on how you should respond, just to let you know. It doesn't tell you in there who to marry, who not to marry, what, you know, what school to go to. It doesn't have all of those answers. But what it does say, in all your ways. Remember, we had that, that, that Greek and Hebrew lesson? What does that three-letter word mean in Hebrew here? All. Okay, everything. Everything you do, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Hear this. That acknowledging Him is like, all right, I'm going to buy this new house. God, should I buy it? Okay, cool. I got that out of the way. Now, no, acknowledging God, acknowledging Him in all that you do is caring what He has to say about it. It's spending time communing with Him. If I wanted to, um, I, I don't know, if I wanted to knock out the, 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 the wall in our, our, between our living room and our dining room, and I were to say, I'm gonna, i got to acknowledge my wife in all this. Um, honey, you think it's a good idea that we knock this out, right? Good, I'm glad you think so. Um, and just go about my business. I, I, am I really acknowledging her? Am I acknowledging what she has to say? 
Now, there's probably going to be some time like she's going to look at me funny. She's going to think, okay, knocking it out is going to be the easy part. Then I'm going to have no wall for probably like four and a half years. (laughs) Dad's going to have to come over and say how stupid his son is because why did you do this? Did you not? I mean, and and there's going to be a lot more to it. That's not me acknowledging, but I need to sit down with my wife and, okay, let's go out. Let's go through this. This is why I think we need to do it. This is the outcome of it. Let, let's just kind of weigh this. Can we, do we have the, you know, the, the funds to do it? Whatever it may be. Well, granted, that's a, you know, maybe it's a bad analogy. It's a bad illustration. But I, I think that sometimes we do the same thing with God. God, I'm going to do this. You're either going to jump on board or you're not. Well, I acknowledged him. God, help me do this. God, help me live this sin or let me accomplish this sin well. I know that no one prays that, but essentially that's what happens when we're not following what it is God's saying. God, bless me in my mess. You know I hate that. <laughs> no, that would be just divine, that would be child abuse if a heavenly, our Heavenly Father blessed our mess. No, we need to acknowledge Him in all that we do. How does that look? Well, I like what Solomon says here. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's got to be a trust there that supersedes, okay, I, maybe I don't know how the outcome's going to be, but God, I got, I got, I'm going to trust you. Why am I going to trust you? Well, because um, I, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. If I lean on only thing, the only thing that I know, I'm not going to get very far in life. Well, how about this? Maybe, you do, maybe you're one of those smart people, and, and you do know a lot, and you say, I can lean on my own understanding. Well, awesome. But just look at this. If you only lean on your own understanding, you're never going to experience what God has for you. Because if you only lean on your understanding, then who's going to get the glory when you experience things? You. But if you lean on God, I'm not saying we're to walk around dumb. I love Jesus. I'm not saying that. But we have to understand that, that, that God has to be continually kept in His place in our lives. Trust Him. Go back to, uh, to, to Luke. Because if we don't, then we'll never make, make it through all this. So repentance itself is not radical. Please don't hear me, hear me, hear me when I say that. Do, will it, will it um, require a, a possible extreme measure in your life? Possibly. But nine times out of ten, or I'll say 99 times out of a hundred, the extreme, the extremity that it, 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 it causes in your life is um, probably sin, a sin in which you need to get rid of. So it, it, is it, yes, it's extreme in our mind because that's in our understanding, but in God's mind and in God's understanding, it's not, it's not extreme, it's right. So don't, don't think, don't be scared. Don't be scared, Right? The Bible tells us that God didn't give us the, the, the spirit of fear. He gave us the spirit of power and a, of a sound mind. Don't be scared. Don't be scared of repentance. The next thing. Well, actually, let's, let's continue on and I'll get to the next thing. So, John is telling these, these people, don't, you don't have to do anything crazy. Just do what's right and what it is that God has already called you to do here. So, as the people, look at verse 15. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Christ, 
John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandal is not, I, I am not worthy to untie. I can't even pick up his, his Chuck Taylors. That's what he's saying here. I can't pick up his sneakers. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the thre- his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Two things here. The first thing here is the, 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 the next certainty. Um, the, the next certainty that we can see that, that Luke is um, uh, giving or, or communicating to Theophilus is there's only one Messiah. There's only one Messiah. Well, why do I say that? Well, I think it's important. Turn over to John chapter 1 real quick. Because I think John explains or gives a little bit more detail into this conversation. John chapter 1, verse 19 John says, when asked the same question here, he says, And this is the testimony of John when Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? So this is how John responded to this. He said, or it says that he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So he's not the anointed one. He's not the Messiah is what he's saying. And they asked him, Well, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So understand, he says here, I'm not the Christ. You're coming out here, and think about this for one quick second. Because in the mind of some of these people... Maybe the reason that they were coming out to hear John was because maybe they thought, well, maybe this is the Messiah that's coming. And he, he had this opportunity. I mean, they were coming out and they're like, okay, well, are you the Messiah that's going to come? He says, no. Oh, snap. Okay, wait a second then. This guy's just unpleasant to be around and he's not the Messiah. Why do I need to put up with him? I mean, think about it, because look at, look at just some of the things in which he, he is saying here. He calls them you know, a bag of snakes. He says that you need to be baptized. Uh, he, he says you need to go outside of your own tradition, the way in which you thought uh, against those nasty people. Now you need to become one of those. Um, he, he says, okay, your life's going to be a little bit different. Give away some stuff um, or change the way in which you do things. Uh, he, he talks about, well, if you're not bearing fruit, uh, you have the chance, the possibility that you can be cut down and thrown into the fire. Um, he, he talks here now about this winnowing fork in his hand, and he's clearing this threshing floor. Well, what you would know, they would know at this time, is he's talking about judgment here. He's talking about the wrath of God, the final judgment on the world. That's the, when you hear threshing floor, that's the imagery in which uh, is being used here by the Bible. And he's saying that the wheat's going to be gathered into his barn, and the chaff, the straw, is going to be burned up. I don't know about you, but I mean, that guy does not sound like a pleasant preacher. Right? So they ask him, so we can withstand this if this is, a, if this is the Messiah. So is, are you the Messiah? Nope, not, not him. 
I'm just making the path straight. <sighs> he takes a bold stance, no matter, he didn't care what anybody thought of him. Obviously, he was not dressed the best. He didn't smell the best. He didn't have the best diet. And he said, I'm not him. But what he, in, in, in that statement, he said, no, 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 no. I'm not the Christ. The, the one that is going to come, the true Messiah that is going to come, I'm not even worthy to, to pick up his shoes. We know for certain that there is one Messiah. Why do I say that? Why do I stress that? Because, <laughs> here's, a, here's a, st a statistic you guys aren't going to like. Um, I would say overwhelming majority of the people in here, 90%, and sometimes I'm included in, in this, and I've got to make sure I'm not, 90% uh, of the people in here think that you co-Messiah your life with Christ. Well, I would never do that. You think, I think sometimes, that I got all my stuff together. I, I, I confound my own mind into thinking that my way is better than what, the way in which God has uh, set forth. Well, that's not saying that I'm God. No, it's exactly what you're saying. You're saying your way is better than God's way. So on, on, a, on a grand scheme, it's saying that, that okay, um, Jesus, Messiah, but man, I'm like, like the co-Messiah with you. Scoot over, Jesus, and let me have a, get a cheek on that throne. That's not where we need to be. We. Me. That's not where we need to be. We, we cannot sit on the throne of our lives. When we sit on the throne of our lives, that means that Jesus cannot. The Bible says that God is sovereign. God has to be sovereign over your whole life, not just little pieces of it. It's, it's, it's not popular. It, it, it's not something that, 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 um, uh, that the people would come and flock to hear. But it's the message in which, which John was communicating that uh, Luke gave us that was very important to understand. And I'll say this. When I get into that mode of co-messiahship, that is a, just a burdensome time. Because I cannot bear the weight in which Christ can bear. So when I have those times that I get into that, and I'm like, wait, wait, it's like a time of identifying, okay, I need to repent of that, whatever that may be. And I turn from that. I can tell you this. This is my personal experience here. A weight that is lifted off me is indescribable. When you let God be God and let Him be the Messiah, let Him be Christ, let Him be the anointed one, and you take your role submissive to Him, it's freeing. We, get, we bind ourselves. We bind ourselves to sin that's in our lives that we don't need to bind ourselves to. We are our own worst enemy. I don't know if that is going to be the highlight reel for today's sermon, but I'm convinced that that is probably one of the most freeing things that I can say today. Get off the throne and let Jesus get on the throne of your life. If he's on that right now, okay, make sure he stays there. Because it's not easy. Let's go on. 
verse 18. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. What I love about that, that last little paragraph right there, is it says that, so with many other exhortation, he preached what? Good news. Did honestly, did the thought, or, or, or do, do you think that, that what he was preaching sounded good? It sounded pretty bad. Talking about fire and judgment and wrath and snakes and you know cutting down trees and not bearing fruit. That's probably not the, the, the vernacular that we would use today in trying to tell somebody good news. But it is imperative to understand that if we don't know the bad, how can anything be good? And this is what John is telling us here. This is what Luke is communicating to us. We don't have to endure the punishment. We don't have to endure the wrath of God. We don't even have to endure consequences if we don't get into a sin in our life. But if we do, we must. Are we going to endure the wrath of God? No, we're not going to endure the wrath of God. But we're going to pay for the consequences. Well, in sense, how about this? We're going to have to... Uh, the Bible tells us that God disciplines those whom He loves. If God loves you, He will discipline you. I love my son. I discipline him all the time. Shannon spanked his butt this morning with a paddle. She loves her son. It sounds hard. I'm sure that Gabriel is, Mommy, I love you too. Probably didn't go through his mind. But he was disciplined because he's loved. Understand that when, when, when the Bible talks of judgment, the Bible talks of wrath. It's not in a vacuum that there's nothing else other than God's judgment. I think it's kind of ironic to me that more people ask questions about God's wrath than God's wisdom. We fear God's wrath, but we don't heed to God's wisdom. Why so? Well, we just want to know how bad it's going to be in the end. I want to still continue doing what I'm doing, but... Is it really going to be that bad in the end? Well, think about how good it can be now if you just heed to his wisdom. Last point, and I'm done. Then this next certainty is this it's purpose to prepare the way. Purposed to prepare the way. Every single one of you in here is called, as a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, is called to be a John the Baptist. Granted, John the Baptist was preparing the way for the first coming. What are we doing? We are to prepare the way for the second coming. We just had Advent you know, a month ago. We are to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Because He says He's going to come. I, I, I love this. It, it, with this mindset. Well, how do I prepare the way for the Lord? What radical, extravagant thing do I need to do? Well, we just talked about repent. So we need to prepare ourselves because through preparing ourselves and then we can help prepare others. But I got this statement for you. 
God expects no more of you than that you do what He has appointed you to do. Think about this. God expects no more of you than that you do what He has appointed you to do. I love how Dan says it. The assignment in which God has given you. What has God already appointed you to do? Whatever it may be. Me, he's appointed me to pastor this church, okay? I want want to do that the best I can. He's appointed now Shelly to run the, the, the kids' ministry, okay? She needs to do that the best she can. That doesn't mean that if somebody comes in, I've got this really great idea that we should uh, light all the chairs on fire, then run through it and just make uh, sparkly angels. Um, Shelly, that's a good idea. Do you, you, go ahead and what do you think? Talk to Pastor Lee about it. <laughs> You'd be surprised the things that go, come through the, the door like that. Everybody has good ideas because everybody thinks that these radical things need to take place for us to be obedient. No, it, it, it's simple. What has God appointed you to do? I don't know what God's appointed me to do. Well, we, you, you do know primarily he, he has told you to what? Love God himself and love people, right? He's appointed you to do that. Something else that he's appointed you all to do, me included, is what we, we talk about quite often. Uh, Matthew five sixteen. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That, that's Him appointing you to do something. Maybe it's in your work. Maybe it's, maybe it's in your home. I don't know. But everybody's been appointed to do something. Now here, some of you will sit here and say, well, okay, um, yeah, so is that, does that uh, give me the license to be lazy and not to do anything outside? No, because this, this, is, this is what I, I believe. When you are faithful in what it is that God has appointed you, there, there's some guy who says, you know, if you're faithful in little, that you'll be given much. Um, I think his name was Jesus. But um, when, when, when you're faithful in what God has already given you, he'll give you more. If you are sitting, and this is not, yes it is, step on your toes, pull your feet up, whatever. If you're sitting here and saying, well, God hasn't given me anything. Yes, he has. Maybe you're not being faithful in what he's already given you. Well, he has given you life. Thank you, Elijah. Absolutely. What what, What has God given you? What are you doing with it? That's that's a that's a weighty question. God expects no more of you than that you do what He has appointed you to do. John the Baptist, from his birth, knew what it is that he was to do. He was to be the forerunner, the front runner of the Messiah. Even when he could have claimed to be the Messiah, he said, no, 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 that's not me. My purpose is to prepare the way. I'm doing what God has told me to do. Everybody in here has a purpose. Everybody in here has an assignment, like, like Dan says. What are we doing with it? 
um, let's, let's do this. Uh, we're not going to end on a note of uh, a, a, a somber note. What I want to end on is because we have a plan, or because God has a plan, because we have a purpose, we need to shout for joy. We need to be um, uh, celebratory, not celebratory, celebratory in what it is that we do, what it is our, our, our life. Because the last thing that, that I want to do is to hear a, a message like this and, and, and hear that, that, that we need to repent and hear that we're not the Messiah and hear that, 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 that God has a way and then kind of go out the door and just kind of be like, yeah, I do need to repent. <sighs> yeah, I'm having trouble with that Messiah thing. Man, I don't know which way. I, I don't want that. I want you to say, okay, yes, absolutely. I need to repent. Everybody in here, every single person in here has a sin in which you need to repent of. You need to change the way in which you think of it. You need to hate it. You need to do something about it. You need to turn from the sin, turn to God. Every single person, myself included, I can give you a list of them. Every single person, and also every single person in here needs to continually say, I am not God. Let God be God. All right, let's stand. I'm going to pray, and they're going to sing happy day. Happy day. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, it is a happy day. God, we hear your word. And we, um, we know that it hits strings and, and it pushes on things in, in our hearts and our lives that we need to do something about. Um, God, my, my prayer is that we don't take this as, as, a, um, as an attack. We take this as an encouragement, as, um, okay, I, I, I want to heed to the wisdom, your wisdom, God. I don't want to have to worry about your wrath because Jesus Christ paid. Lord God, you, you paid for our wrath. You paid the wrath. We need to heed to the wisdom. God, let us just understand this. Um, God, let us lift our voices. Let us lift our hands. Let us, let us just be able to worship you in all that we do. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you. And we pray this all in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Let's do it.